Welcome to PR After Hours, your weekly cocktail of news and interviews with leading thinkers in PR, marketing, and business. So pull up a chair in our virtual lounge. Your host, Alex Greenwood, will be right back after this. You know, it's interesting. I've been in this business for over 30 years and I've worked in Kansas City for 15 years and had my own agency for about 13 years. And I've always heard this gentleman's name, but to my recollection, I don't think we've ever met, but he is one of the PR masters in this neck of the woods. And, and I, I think beyond Kansas City area. This is a guy who uh, revolutionized the way PR is done in our market and probably in several others. His name is Dick Grove. He's the CEO and founder of the long-running Kansas City-based PR firm known as Inc. Inc. Public Relations. With more than 50 years in the PR industry, Dick was one of the first to create and lead a PR firm staffed by remote senior-level publicists and he also developed a pay-for-performance client model, which he continues today. Dick is also the author of the recently released book titled It's the Media Stupid, PR Without the BS, which offers an insider's look into the art, science, and semi-cosmic ability of gaining positive press. Dick Grove, welcome to the Virtual Lounge. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's nice to meet you. You know, I've heard your name for years, and I... Uh, I think I've lost contracts to your your firms for years too. <laughs> oh my goodness! But uh, that's part of the game. But it's it's a thrill to meet you, even virtually here. Okay. Yeah, we're based here in Kansas City. Been here for about twenty seven years now. Mm -hmm. I started my firm out in California about thirty years ago. Moved back to uh, the Midwest because that's my original home and where mm -hmm. I'm from. So I've been running the business out of here for some time, but we pioneered something years ago called the uh, the remote office. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, 25 years ago, it was pretty revolutionary. It's not today, right. but uh, most of my people work from remote offices around the country. They're all, I've got a network of senior level people that have been working for me on a contract basis for literally some of them 25 years. Wow. And uh, so I I wanted the concept of uh, being able to secure media coverage for my clients, really good, solid media coverage. And because I realized that's what most clients wanted. I came out of the world of big PR and big corporate PR, realized a long time ago, you get hired for a whole lot of things as a PR firm. You usually get fired for one. And that's not getting any kind of coverage. So eventually they get tired of meetings and discussions and we're working on it and uh, strategizing. And they say, okay, where's my cover of Forbes? I decided to pioneer a company that was going to aim for getting you on Forbes. And uh, that's what we started. So we, I hired a bunch of people that were, in effect, ex-media types, some real senior media reps that knew how to pitch and play stories. And then basically also developed an, a, a customized way of doing it. So everything we do for a client is a custom pitch to an individual producer or an individual reporter. Not press releases mass produced and sent out hoping you have something sticks. Right. And of course, the last thing that made us very different was the fact that we only charged if we actually were successful in landing those kind of stories. Yeah. So uh, that was revolutionary 25 years ago. In all honesty, it still seems to be revolutionary. So uh, 
Every time we talk to a new prospect, it's amazing. They say, really? I've never heard of such a firm. That's the way it is. But uh, it's dramatically changed over the years, you know. We, what we have found is, and when I say, when you're pitching an individual story to an individual reporter or producer, or even a podcaster, it's the story that's the element that has to be there. And it has to be newsworthy. And that's the one thing we've emphasized since the very beginning. And in some ways, I, I consider my firm almost a news firm rather than a quote-unquote PR firm, which adds the, uh, adds the idea of puffery and spin and all of that. And uh, we emphasize that a client's story has to be newsworthy in order to take it to the media. And, uh, and frankly, that's something we're pretty good at. When a client isn't necessarily newsworthy on the surface, and some clients do some pretty boring things, by the way, then it's up to us to help them find that part that is newsworthy. And, right. and uh, that's really what that book is all about that I wrote, or the, or the seven or eight ways that you can dig in and find out what, what's really newsworthy about your business or your organization or your management and so forth. But that has never changed. The idea that the story and newsworthy story is still is still key to really good earn what we call earned media coverage today. Right. It used to be called traditional print broadcast and and online. Of course, now it's called earned media, meaning that we don't pay, we don't uh, the client doesn't pay to get a story. We get the media to do the story for them. Yeah, that's been that's been one of the really big things. And uh, uh, but you know what? It's interesting to me that the internet and social media have really dramatically changed the, uh, the uh, landscape for PR. I mean, it used to be you'd, in the early days, you'd literally send a, a, a letter or a phone call to a reporter. That was pre-internet in the early days of even the early 90s when we started. Now, of course, everything is done by email. And it's down to the point where you've got to have a really great subject line. Most reporters aren't even going any further on it. So, right. uh, but the other thing is, is how that story is used. And it used to be that clients would ask for like reprints that they mm -hmm. can distribute, you right. know. But now, of course, it's uh, the earned content means that. And what we tell clients is we've done the first part of your job. The second part of your job is, is distributing that via your social media channels so that it has a long tail. Yeah. And that's really the key to making a successful placement today. The, the cover on Forbes, the hypothetical cover on Forbes, of course, only goes so far other than laying there on somebody's coffee table in a, in a reception room. What really matters is how that's been distributed through their social media channels to get the maximum coverage for that with their audience. That's what's changed dramatically over the last, certainly the last 20 years and maybe even the last 10 or five years. Do you think, Dick, that the fact that your company is known for your pay for performance, that the, the media understand this guy is not going to try to snow me if it's if it's coming from me, that we're more likely to open up those emails you're talking about? Have you found that? Well, you know what? It has a reverse effect because we are 
we have to be successful or we don't get paid. Mm -hmm. That means that when we send out an email or talk to a reporter or a producer, and by the way, my people after obviously 25 years have a lot of great contacts, yeah. but I've, I've said many times that uh, uh, the contacts don't matter as much as the good news instincts and where to take a story and whether it's going to play and what the audience is in the terms of the medium. But what we have found is that because we tend to be really refined in what we're taking to them, we actually have better receptivity. I've never had I've never had a medium talk to any of my people or myself saying, because you guys are paid by the story, I don't want to talk to you. That sounds too much like an ambulance chaser. Uh, <laughs> never heard that. Uh, what they care about is the end result, which is, are you going to get me coverage? And uh, and the medium cares, do, are you delivering me something that my audience is going to really care about? And not only that, but interesting enough, will make them a hero with their boss, with their editor, with their executive producer. Uh, you don't deliver, you don't deliver just stuff. Hmm. And uh, we have a real, one of the people that works for me, is, is married to an executive producer of one of the local TV stations, for example. And as he said, I may sleep with her, but she's still not going to take my story unless it's newsworthy. <laughs> uh, so we're very careful about that. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. The media actually responds better to us because over the years, they've known that we deliver good stuff to them, not fluff, not stuff. And they also know that we're going to follow up because the real key is that a reporter or producer, whomever may say, I'm interested in this. Could you give me a little more detail? Or I'm interested in one facet of your story that you're pitching to me. Uh, could you send me that study? Could you, whatever it is. And we're very good about being diligently following up and helping the reporter do his job, not hindering the reporter. Right, and, right. And that's a reputation we also have. So that works to our favor. It, it's unusual, as you said, it was unusual 25 years ago, and it's still unusual today. I'm wondering, when you first started doing that, though, was it a little scary? Or you know what I mean? I mean, if money's not coming in until you, you get a hit or two, it might have been a little dicey there. Or was it pretty good right off? Well, it was not only scary for me, <laughs> but but... Yeah, because, you know, you're basically saying, hey, I'm going to, uh, I'm so confident that we can do the job that we're willing to pay, you know, get paid after the fact. But right. you know what? Everybody's been doing that. And if you really look at it, even going back to the very early days of the early 1900s and PR first started, it, it was somebody that said, hey, I can get you a story in the local, whatever it is, Telegraph, right. and, and um, please pay me after I've done it. And I'll see if I can do it. So it's going back to a very simple kind of fair way of charging. But yes, was it scary? Yes. Was it, did it take a lot of courage on my people's part? Because they tend to work on commission. Yeah. And they get paid a percentage only if we actually, only if they actually get the story. Hmm. Where that, where that works is you've got people that are really confident and really work hard to get that story, okay? Yeah. Which benefits, it's a win-win situation, Alex. It benefits the client because they know we're diligently working to get the story and to do it. And it benefits the media because they know 
we're going to deliver and help them get this stuff that they need. Yeah. Uh, it's a win-win. And it, you know. Do you offer services beyond direct, you know, media relations and pitching stories where it's maybe a, where you do charge like for executive counsel or other things? Well, sure. I mean, first of all, I've got a background from Burson Marsteller and, and, right. some, and some big firms. So, uh, do I know how to do, uh, you know, crisis communications and all of that? Absolutely. Uh, I take a pretty simple approach to it, though, when it comes to crisis communications. I, I, since we don't bill by the hour, we'll take a project on, for example, of crisis right. or, or some other thing or media training. Yeah. Uh, but we'll do that on a project fee basis, not on hourly fees. One of the things that I wanted to avoid like a crazy man was hourly fees, okay? Because I have seen hourly fees abused so badly, yeah. both as a client and as, a, uh, as an agency guy. Uh, you know, I used to say the most creative thing a PR and advertising firm does every week is their timesheet, you know? Uh, <laughs> So I'm I'm a big fan on if you're going to figure out figure out what how you can do something and make money stick to that price and then go do it and yes we do things like crisis communication if we're asked to it's usually not often yeah. uh, we'll do media training because we've got guys that do it very well right uh, and again because we're everything we do on a, even on a project basis including including uh, strategizing and messaging is designed to get media coverage, not just to do it for the sake of doing it and sending them a big bill as a client, but right. ultimately what we are is media specialists. Yeah. And that's, that's, and that's what most PR firms used to be. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they were specialists in getting coverage for their clients, good, positive coverage for their clients. And somewhere along the line, you know, consulting became a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and huge retainers, you know. Yeah. One of the things we're working on right now is we're finding that we're a we're a good uh, match with a lot of foreign-based companies, foreign-based startups. And because they're looking to figure out how to break into the US marketplace through the media. But they can't really afford the big global PR firms that charge fifty to a hundred thousand and up a month for a retainer, and we can present them the ability to penetrate the U.S. market media because that's what we're specialists in, in terms of getting coverage. So we're right. we're moving forward with projects in Israel, with Brazil, with Vietnam, with other countries, and we've certainly done it in the past with Israel and Britain and. So that's something that's actually an interesting market, but it's it's a market for us because we we fill that niche that the big guys can't really do for a reasonable fee or a reasonable amount of money. You know, Dick, you uh, particularly in Kansas City market, you've seen some firms come and go. I know that we both have, uh, but you've got a few more years on me. But I've seen some firms that I thought were going to be around forever, you know, who aren't, and. Right. There's there's a variety of reasons that we both know, right? But but do you think that there was the, a rigidity with some of the some of the agencies that just didn't make it to to even look at the way you're doing business? Do you think that's part of it? Well, ultimately, as I said before, now I I can't be inside of every firm that's I've dealt with, 
but ultimately it comes down to are you delivering any kind of coverage in my yeah. mind okay? yeah and if ultimately they aren't uh, or they don't have a strong staff and uh, uh we're, we pride ourselves we have a very lean staff but it's really strong in the corporate headquarters but the people in the field both men and women are top notch i mean these are senior level people with 10 to 15 to 25 years experience of taking stories to the media, everything from trades, tech trades to all the way up to uh, uh, retail and uh, broadcast and, uh, and fun fluff celebrity stories. Right. Uh, by the way, I don't take celebrities anymore. I, you I, just I, anticipated my next question. How come? Well, uh, and I don't mind saying it. We we at one time worked for uh, David Copperfield, and uh, David Copperfield. This is oh my God, twenty years ago. But David was uh, 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 let's put it this way: two things happen with celebrities. One, ego, okay, gets in the way of communications often, and two, the amount of money you can make off of a celebrity it sounds terrible, but corporations have larger more flexible budgets than most celebrities do hmm. and uh it's not worth the difference in terms of the money you make on the ego you're going to have to deal with to make things happen so yeah two things we've kind of shied away from well three things over the years one is celebrities now two is politics because invariably you get stung when you're doing politics yep and, and thirdly uh you know are really uh Oh, I'm trying to think. I've lost my train of thought here. But those are the two things primarily. Oh, and the third is, of course, certain there are certain clients you just don't want to personally, you have scruples against working for them. You know, could be a tobacco company or, uh, you know, that kind of thing that we won't take on those assignments. Yeah. Same here. I, that's funny you say that. I, I had a guy who laughed at me and he said that it was some, some sub work for Altria, which used to be Philip Morris. And I just said, I'm not doing that. I've known enough people who died of lung disease that I'm not doing that. And uh, he laughed at me, but I mean, you, you can, you can't get a little bit pregnant, right? You're either ethical well, or you're not, in my opinion. Yeah. And I love feel good clients. We've had several, what I'd call really white hat feel good clients. Obviously we've shied away from the black hat guys. Yeah. We've had a couple of people have come to us and say, Hey, I need to get some coverage because I got my reputation stinks. And I, you know, it probably stinks for a good reason that I don't want to get involved with. But <laughs> oh, we've had man. some really great white hat clients. I mean, the uh, United Jewish Appeal and the, and what they did in terms of raising and what we had to do was literally go to the former Soviet Union and act as embedded reporters to dig up stories that we brought back and used with the U.S. media to gain awareness of the need of the former of the Jews in the former Soviet Union that needed to be transported and migrated to Israel. Great, great. Not only fun, but incredibly satisfying. Right. An another one I like to throw out every once in a while is a company called Rhinotech years ago, which is, has since been sold. But they came to us, oh my God, they were one of my initial clients. And I went to meet with the guy and he was a company that uh, reconditioned toner cartridges for printers. Now, oh, oh. think about that. Is there any more boring story <laughs> than a reconditioned printer cartridge? And how do you get that guy coverage? Yeah. Well, in talking to him, 
discovered a couple things. One, we discovered that he was a former addict and alcoholic that had basically built his company up from nothing. As in his backstory was an amazing backstory. That was pretty cool. But then we discovered in talking to him further that his entire workforce, manufacturing and sales force were made up of recovering alcoholics and addicts that he was giving them a second chance. So the storyline became, you can imagine, not only was he reconditioning toner cartridges, he was reconditioning human beings. Yeah. And wow. we got, I mean, my God, that story went everywhere from CNBC to NBC, to CBS, to the Wall Street Journal, Business Week. Uh, we, it was just amazing because everybody jumped on that bandwagon of this guy that turned something, his own life, but also other people's lives into something. And that's the example, by the way, of where you dig through. One, it's a white hat client you love working for. Two, it's an example of where you don't see something on the surface and you think it's, oh my God, this is boring. And then turning it into something. Right. That's actually, that's probably where we get the most satisfaction is where, where we can dig and hunt and find something that maybe the client hasn't even realized could be newsworthy. Yeah, done the same. Done the same. I uh, I won't go into it here, but we my firm actually made uh, garage door manufacturers uh, some some hay in the media. So it, it took a lot of thinking and, uh, and talking, but listening. You know. Right. Yeah. Let's <laughs> yeah. see. They go up and down. Okay. <laughs> What, well, what's unique or different about it? <laughs> you know, the, the 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 there were two angles. One, it was a family-owned company, the third generation, that kind of thing. Um, but the other thing we did, we did a kind of a. And I don't know if this would go over well with your firm, but we did kind of a stunt where, uh, you know, people wear ugly Christmas sweaters at Christmas. You know, the the, the sweaters that are kind of for silliness at a party. We came up with the idea of, of, of decorate your garage door like an ugly Christmas garage door, and people would do it to, to win a garage door opener. Fox 4 loved it, so we went over to Fox 4, and we decorated during the whole morning broadcast their garage door in the back of the studio. I know it's a little stunty, but we were just looking for something to change the 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 perception because like you you nailed it right well it's a garage door company what what's interesting there you know but right. they they came out of it though with their local their family owned and they're fun and it, it served them well so let's talk about your book real quick here and, and i want to just quote this from the beginning of your book and you say this and this really spoke to me dig you said let's get something straight from the start pr is not rocket science or curing <laughs> cancer or a profession which will greatly alter the course of human events on a grand scale we're not saving the world or creating the next big thing we provide information but the book goes through all kinds of crazy ways you've gotten information out and dealing right. with people and stuff. So tell me, do you have to be a PR pro to read this book and, and be entertained and interested, do you think? Well, I well, I would hope not. I mean, I tried to write it so that uh, it, that it has a certain amount of humor to it. And, uh, and most people that have read it that aren't in the business at least are fascinated by some of the stories. Right. Everybody kind of likes to know what's behind the scenes when they've seen something or heard a story or something. So I've tried to make it more human and so forth. But no, I'm I'm a big, big, big believer on, uh, I, I have a, a saying, and I think I use it in the book somewhere, but that, that advice that was given to, I'm not even sure who, 
but the story goes it was probably Spencer T Tracy, the actor, years ago, giving it to some junior actor uh, as to how to succeed and be something. And his his advice was take yourself, I mean, take your job very seriously, but never yourself. And uh, and that's kind of a philosophy we use around here. We realize that PR is not, in fact, rocket science. Right. And it's right. not certainly we're not curing cancer, although I wish the hell we could. Yeah. Okay? Amen. But what it is, is we are we provide soft news stories, usually business stories to the media that help inform the public. And it, it could be other kinds of stories, but that's basically what it is. Hmm. Too many PR firms take the attitude of, of they've got to get whatever the client says. Hey, I have to get this story out or because we're the greatest thing that's never been told. And so what we like to think is, uh, no, you what the media wants information. Just give them good, solid information, follow up on that. And you got a very good chance that they'll they'll do a story on you. Yeah. And uh, and by the way, that's advice that can be used by amateurs. They don't have to be a pro, right. obviously, and that's the point. But like everything in life, it seems like the simplest things end up being the most difficult. So you've got to hire somebody to help you do it. But well, you know, Dick, I uh, I could talk to you for for hours because I I so admire what you've done in changing the profession. And again, just to reiterate, it's it's interesting that more agencies have not copied the way you're doing it. I mean, there's reasons why I know, but yeah. it's it's interesting. I, I actually have a story on that that I sure I I shared a, a Dias a few years back, and God bless him, my my first boss and somebody I held with great great eminence. And that's Harold Burson, who was the founder of Burson Marshall. And I shared, and he was my first Bakken boss in New York so many, many years ago. But I shared a deal with him, deals with him, I don't know, several years back when he was still alive and active. He's passed on now, God bless him. But he leaned over to me and he said, you know, Dick, I'd love to be able to do it your way. But we just can't. It's too ingrained in how we do things. Yeah. And it would it would upset so many people. And he kind of chuckled. And I said, I know that, Harold, but I'm glad you leave a little bit of it to us. And <laughs> I, I think he was doing probably uh, 500 million in revenue <laughs> and I was doing about a million. So, <laughs> you know, though, I get it. I joked at the beginning of this when I was introducing you that I over the years, I've lost a couple of contracts to you. I, I have. I, I was bidding on the same thing and I I did not have a pay for play deal and pay for performance deal, not play performance. It's interesting. I was really don't take this the wrong way, Dick. I was really hoping when I ran into the people who didn't hire me and hired you, they'd say, well, that was a bust. And they were like, no, he did great. They, you, he, he killed it, man. It was wonderful. I'm like, oh, well, go with God. Thanks so much. <laughs> I don't take it the wrong way. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, it's if I have to lose, I want to lose to a learned gentleman like yourself, Dick. I really, I've enjoyed meeting you, folks. If you go to the uh, show notes, you can find a link to Inc. KC or Inc. Inc. PR, excuse me, uh, dot com, and all of Dick's uh, social media handles. All those links will be there, and I'm going to put a link where you can go buy this book. It's on my my Christmas list. I want to read this because. 
there's just a hell of a lot of great stories in there. And, and like Dick just said, you don't necessarily have to be a PR pro to enjoy this book. You might get some just some general learnings that will help you no matter what your profession is. Dick, I'm going to throw it to you for the last word. Well, I wish I could say something profound about the PR PR business, but I'm going to say something because I notice a uh, certain football helmet on your shelf behind you. So my last word is go Chiefs. There are no wiser words than that in the whole English language. Dick Grove, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us here on PR After Hours. Thank you. Hey, listeners, are you considering new ways to build awareness for yourself, your clients, your brand, your business? Might I suggest the podcast option? The podcast option is actually my new ebook available exclusively on Amazon.com. In this fast reading book, I give you the benefit of my 15 years podcasting and broadcasting experience with stories, practical tips, and advice from hundreds of hours I've spent as a podcast host, producer, and guest. The podcast option is mandatory reading for those new to podcasting and a welcome addition to the Veteran Podcasters Library. You can get the podcast option, tips and tricks to make podcasting work for you exclusively on Amazon.com, or you can click on the link in the show notes or visit PRAfterHours.com. The podcast option, I hope you will choose it. You know what that means. It's last call here at the Virtual Lounge. Be sure to visit PRAfterHours.com for links to what we discussed in this episode and more. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next time for another round at PR After Hours with Alex Greenwood.